And welcome to the M2 Podcast, everybody. This is Mad Mike. I am your host. This is episode three, and we're following the week in review for gaming industry news. Today's episode is about 37 CSGO coaches getting banned. Nick Merckx renews his deal with, with FaZe Clan. Microsoft announced an X-Series X 1TB expandable storage. Early testers for the Xbox Series X release load time information, game performance, and speeds. Amazon announces a new cloud gaming service called Luna. But before we get into all of that, Dr. Disrespect appeared on a Twitch stream just by chance. He was playing Call of Duty Warzone, and he happened to match up with Crim6, Nadeshot, and Snoop Dogg while their streams were live. It included his voice and his gamer tag, so that he was fully present on Twitch. Now, for those of you that weren't paying attention during the last episode, or this is your first episode coming across my channel, Dr. Disrespect is banned on Twitch. He is not allowed to show up on Twitch by any means, whether it's a YouTube video that somebody happens to be streaming, whether it's his voice, his audio, his music, anything. It's all banned on the platform, and he's not allowed to show up. So, you have three really well-known individuals slash streamers. You have Crim6, who's a professional Call of Duty player for the Dallas Empire. You have Nadeshot, who is a professional Call of Duty player and more so a founder, co-owner of esports team 100 Thieves. And you have Snoop Dogg. Now, because these are three large names, it was somewhat con controversial whether or not Twitch would actually enact some type of punishment because they did technically break the terms of service. Now, it is likely that Twitch would experience a lot of backlash if they were to ban pretty much any of these three people for having Dr. Disrespect on their stream. So they subsequently seem to have loosened their policy and given more leeway to ban people that aren't as large, but have an excuse not to ban big name streamers. It was only for a few minutes that he actually appeared on the stream, but it was enough to cause a lot of attention on the internet. Now, this incident happened probably a couple of weeks ago, by my calculations. However, Twitch recently updated their new policy, and they had to make clarification to the suspension evasion policy, which is exactly what we're talking about here, how Dr. Disrespect cannot appear on other people's streams. The official update says this. We've updated our policy in the community guidelines to clarify our policies around suspension evasion. We understand that there may be instances where suspended users appear on your stream due to circumstances beyond your control, but we expect you to make good faith effort to remove them from your broadcast, mute them, or otherwise limit their interaction with your stream. Now, this is pretty interesting because these Twitch streamers are aware. I mean, these are really big name guys. They've been around for ages. Nate Shot himself has been around since Twitch was Justin.tv before it rebranded and became Twitch in the first place. He's aware of the policies. He's really aware with Amazon's policies. He, he's, a, he's a founder and co-owner, so he's a business guy. He understands that this is all pretty much 
against their terms of service. So it, it's very odd that they would have a few minutes or so of Dr. Disrespect on stream, but basically saying, hey, I mean, if they ban me, they ban me. They have options. They have a lot of power here because they're big names. But for the smaller guys that are not, their their brands aren't as large, they don't have as much of a following, I think they would be banned immediately. Now, this goes back to a lot of different controversies where Twitch essentially caters towards the larger fan base or the larger branding or the larger streamer and sort of just shats on the smaller mid-tier table kind of streamers. It's a little bit unfair that they're essentially bending the rules or maybe giving them a moment of, hey, wait, here's the second warning. Like, make sure it doesn't happen again. It's out of your control. We understand that. We don't want to ban you. Like, if we ban Snoop Dogg from the platform, it's going to go viral and there's going to be a massive backlash. If you if you ban Nade Shot, you're going to piss off probably the majority of the esports fan base because he's pretty beloved in the Call of Duty area. But Crim6, I think he's safe just by being with those two. Now, he's a huge name in that scene, but overall, not very many people know who Crim6 is outside of Call of Duty. With Dr. Disrespect, he's still not able to play with his friends. Really. Um, we covered this in the last episode where we were talking about him and Tim the Tatman. So he can't make collabs with, with his friends. Um, but it does open the door for more opportunities for him. Or maybe not more, but definitely a different type of opportunity. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was about a month ago, he did a collab with PewDiePie, who is the largest YouTuber single YouTuber, obviously, single channel on that platform. And he's an exclusive deal for uh, YouTube streaming as well, YouTube gaming. So those two doing a collab, he is clearly, like that is a, that is an entirely different audience. Because Dr. Disrespect is more about like competitive shooting, entertainment, ridiculousness. Whereas you have PewDiePie's old school satire comedy coming somewhat from the old side of what the internet used to be and he's morphed himself into being more of like the front runner and always doing something new which is really cool because PewDiePie in particular keeps getting new audience members and retaining his original fan base Dr. Disrespect in the scope of I think the internet right now he he's relatively new if you care if you compare the two in particular it's like yes doctor disrespect's been around a long time he he's tried his entire character years and years ago back when PewDiePie first started it's not like that happened by accident but he didn't really really blow up on the scene until relatively recently whereas PewDiePie has always been the face so that's a really interesting collab that they got done another collab that doctor disrespect just got into was doing one with uh courage jd who's also a youtube streamer and previous twitch streamer that's the first time they've collabed since his ban at the time of this recording that was only a couple of days ago but the whole dr disrespect situation isn't going to be resolved pretty much until the lawsuits resolved 
Um, there's an alleged lawsuit going on right now where Dr. Disrespect is trying to figure out why he was banned from Twitch. He's talking about how he has absolutely no idea. They terminated his contract and banned him unpromptly, unjustifiably, according to him. We're really not going to know much about how this situation is really going to play out until that lawsuit and the court system and the cases are, are finalized. All right, so moving on. We found out that 37 CSGO coaches were banned because of a coaching bug found in the game. Now, there's an Esports Integrity Commission that basically went through and investigated if these CSGO coaches have cheated. And the alleged bug was that it allowed spectating players, in this case, the, the coach of the competitive team, to have a bird's eye view from a specific point on the map, gaining an unfair advantage. Essentially, allowing them to call out to their teams. So they'd have a different point of view that nobody else could really see, see more of the map, more angles, and essentially have that extra call out. The Esports Integrity Commission commenced their investigation on September 4th, and they just recently pre uh, presented their findings. They found that 37 coaches have been implicated. During their investigation, they stated that they could not ascertain with any reasonable certainty whether the teams related to the offending parties were complicit in the exploitation of the spectator bug at the time that the offenses took place. As such, they will not comment in this regard and encourages the community to refrain from speculation in this element. They believe all sanctioning decisions must be proportionate, fair, and consistent. Their investigative report continues and it says, we have gone to great lengths to ensure the calculation of sanctions imposed on the offending coaches comply with these standards. The Esports Integrity Commission concluded their report with a message to the CSGO community. And it reads, We understand that these revelations have been tough for many people within the CSGO community, but we believe it is in the long-term best interest of the game and all of esports for integrity breaches to be dealt with head-on. We know that most coaches, players, tournament organizers, publishers, developers, fans, sponsors, and broadcasters want CSGO and esports to be clean and fair competition between players and teams doing their very best to win. We see our job as being to ensure that that happens and that corrupt and bad actors are rehabilitated or removed. CSGO, arguably one of the most competitive, most well-known esports titles out there, is kind of in a rocky place right now you're having several professional players leaving the entire scene and going over to valorant and now you have possible cheating well this is even possible some of these coaches have been banned from as little three months to 36 months where they can't participate in any official tournament now that's a huge huge hit there's a number of, of coaches from high-profile professional teams out here that have been banned, like including FaZe Clan coach, Robin, Furia's coach, Guria, NIPs, PETA, and former Navi coaches, Starix, and Andy. Now, a lot of these coaches have come out and they've actually basically said, yes, yeah, we were using the spectator bug, but pretty much because everybody else was using it. It's really hard not to argue with them because... 37 coaches. A lot of these teams are really well known. I mean, at, 
that wide scale, I mean, there's no other way to say this, this is cheating. That wide of a scale is is shocking. Like some some of the um some of the ports of people using this bug date all the way back to 2016. The ESIC is going through all the VOD reviews, all the VOD content to figure out who cheated, who didn't, how long should they be banned, how severe was it, and so many other things. Now this this really draws into the competitive integrity of CSGO now. Some of these teams have won events or won matches because of this cheat. What what's really gonna happen here? Because there's real money on the line, there's real sponsorships. Like if some some of these teams don't get certain placings, they don't make money. This is gonna be bad to watch this all develop. Now now the reports investigations are still going on. They're not gonna be finalized until about October. And it's gonna take several months to actually get this to to really really finalize and iron out the details but the this is this is not over this is gonna be this is gonna be a big problem for the csgo community shortly after the the report came out and the investigation of the initial bans with these 37 coaches the commissioner of the organization ian smith revealed that more bans could be on the way um, following an entirely different reason and Appearing in a conversation with other prominent CSGO community members, the topic of cheating was understandably the focus of discussion. And while it was centered around the coaching bug, now it looks like some of the focus of the ESIC's work is to be shifted towards stream sniping, which has apparently become a major issue since leagues were moved online thanks to the ongoing global health crisis. Now, the ESIC's report from the commissioner, he said that He's basically got perfectly factuated substantial reports on stream sniping happening during these events. And he's not going to go into much detail because we're going to explain this all in a release, but it's a pretty big deal. And he continued, I know what information you can gain from the stream given the delay between real-time action and the stream is limited, but there's some useful information there. And on top of that, it's against the rules. It's not about how badly you're cheating, but it's against the rules. And unfortunately, we found that a lot of people were on the stream, players and coaches. So we've got something to say about that. Now, if you are a CSGO pro right now, you should be freaking out if you cheated. Because Valve, these sanctioned events, Valve does not mess around with cheaters. They will give you a lifetime ban on minor events, online events. They don't care. If you're found to be wall hacking, stream sniping, auto aim it's over for you they'll ban you for life and your career will be done so it the whole homage is like if you're if you're not cheating you're not trying but come on man come on you're gonna lose everything and this is only the beginning what's happening with the csgo community and it's blowing up and I, i'm really concerned with what's going to happen with these players and these coaches because i'm i'm a pretty big fan of the series and if a lot of these big name guys are banned and the teams have to shut down or get entirely new faces, I mean, it could be rough. It could be rough from a spectator standpoint. And honestly, just you might have a death of an entire competitive scene. Everybody's switching over to something like Valorant, who's now the real competitor for CSGO. We'll most certainly cover this in the future as more information starts getting released, which should happen probably in the next month or so. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. But moving on, 
we found out that Nick Merckx renewed his contract with FaZe Clan. Now, this is a pretty big deal. He, he signed a three-year extension, and he is the most subscribed person on Twitch, which was shocking to me to find this out. He is clocking in an astonishing 56,000 subscribers, and he's one of the biggest channels on the site, period. He, he's not really somebody that really needs an organization, but it doesn't mean a lot for him because it's a partnership where he'll have more on-the-ground resources for his content creation, in, including continued support for like the biggest gaming brand in the world, which is FaZe Clan right now. So congrats to him. Um, hopefully it's a lucrative and mutual agreement. Three years is a pretty long time for a Twitch contract or a professional organization contract. But nonetheless, congrats to him. And it's good to see people actually making big moves out here. Now, moving on from the esports and personalities drama, let's go into some gaming industry news. So, something that I am quite excited to talk about right now is the Microsoft's Xbox Series X 1TB expandable storage device priced at $220. Bro, can I can I can I speak from the heart right now? $220 for an X Series X 1TB expandable storage device. That that's half the price of the console, man. That's crazy. That's my initial thoughts, okay? So, let's go into more details, okay? The actual final price was leaked early by Best Buy. They posted it up on their website for pre-orders for the accessory. Now, the expandable storage cards, they, they slot into the rear of the Xbox Series X and S to match the internal SSD speed and provide an additional one terabyte of the extra storage. Meaning that this is going to be a PCIe 4.0 NVMe SSD, which writes 2,400 megabytes per second. Okay, this is not slow. This is very, 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 very fast. And being a PCIe 4.0, that means it's the newest generation. So it's top technology right now. Okay, that's good. That's all good. But $220 is a lot of money. And the console is already $500. That's if you get the X. It, it's going to be a hard sell for Microsoft. Um, it's going to be a hard sell, but I think a lot of people are going to end up doing it because with the Xbox Game Pass coming out and everybody's going to have it pretty much because it's the best deal you could possibly find for games and Xbox Live service. You have to download everything digitally and save it to a hard drive. So that one terabyte that's already in the Xbox Series X is going to fill up very quickly. Because it's going to fill up very quickly, What's actually going to end up happening is people are going to end up buying this, this expandable storage device. Now, I need, I need to spread awareness, okay? You do not have to get this storage device, SSD, for the console, okay? This is something that they tried to sell with the Xbox One. And what you can do is instead, and I will correct myself if I turn out to be wrong on this, is you can buy a th USB 3.0 external hard drive and you can just use it for cold storage to keep your games on it. One of the games, one of the hard drives that you can get is like $50 for one terabyte. 
That sounds really good money there. You're saving a lot. You're not even going to notice the difference between SSD and a hard drive. And if you do, hey man, you bougie. We get it. It's cool. Now, even if you don't, even if you don't want to do the hard drive, the USB 3.0, you can get USB 3.0 SSD, one terabyte, for less than $220. Now, keep in mind, the manufacturer that's been announced that's making these expandable cards is actually going to be uh, Seagate. Highly reputable brand. I've used them several times and I trust them. But the the SSD, one terabyte external drive, you can find on Amazon right now. You can find for less than $200. Some of them are going for $150. So this is a, if, if you know your research and you can find out whether or not that an external SSD or hard drive that is not made for this expansion slot is compatible with the console, then you should absolutely do that. But if if you truly believe that like maybe maybe $220 is worth saving a USB slot on your console, then then go for it, man. But I find it I find it slightly insulting, but at the same time it's top tier SSD next generation stuff. But I wouldn't buy it right when it launches with the console. For those of you that love games and you love saving the games on your hard drive, try to look for other options, save some money. I, I personally, I will not recommend this expansion drive unless Microsoft pulls some very determinate stuff where they're saying, hey, you can't use a USB 3.0 off-brand altered manufacturer. You have to buy the expansion slot. It's like, okay, it is what it is, man. That's what you're stuck with that. There's nothing you can do about it. In in last week's episode, I spoke about my theory of Microsoft going 100% cloud-based gaming. And this might be the last consoles ever, for specifically for Xbox. Well, it turns out, maybe I spoke a little bit too early. Because Xbox head Phil Spencer says that Microsoft is planning on more consoles after Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. Now, in a report, he says that in terms of future hardware, absolutely, I think we're going to see more console hardware down the road. And he said, just like in video, just like in music, it's not that streaming has cut off device innovation. I think we'll continue to see that, and that's absolutely what we're planning for. So my speculation... I'm going to pivot and say Xbox is going to make phones now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't really understand what he means by this. It's, I understand they always want to stay on cutting edge technology, but will they make their way onto TVs or other services? Like, I, I, I'm not sure what he means. Well, one of the, one of the main reasons why I thought that they were going to be doing this, um, oh, X cloud gaming only consoles going pretty much nowhere is because they're going so heavily on the xbox game pass right now they're making it so you can access the game pass on any electronic device you you could possibly own and it looks like they're building some type of strategy that will allow them to have xbox games on the multiple devices including like your pc or mobile games and it's not even like it should be possible to get those on your tv as well they, I think I think he's just trying. I think Phil Spencer is just trying to not speak so early on 
hey, no more consoles. We're not going to do that anymore because they still make a killing selling the hardware. And technically, he only said console hardware. So this could include accessories. Hardware in his eyes might mean controllers. Sure, it's a stretch, but who knows exactly what they're, they're really planning. And until anything is actually confirmed in research and development and in their business team, then we're not going to know. A couple more things before we leave the topic on the Xbox Series X. There were early, early reviewers, some people that got their hands on the console that recently posted up a couple of reports. And their findings are pretty astonishing, to be honest. They found that during the load times, the most significant and obvious improvement with existing games on the Xbox Series X is the massive changes to load times. And they noticed the load times in pretty much every single game over the past week that they've tested, games like Sea of Thieves, Warframe, and Destiny 2 have their load times cut by up to a minute or more on the Series X. Now, that's a big deal, especially if you don't have the Series X and you have the original Xbox One. Now, I'm going to read off some of these load times. Destiny 2, typically on the Xbox One X, has a load time of 1 minute and 52 seconds. On the Xbox Series X, Destiny 2 has 43 seconds, over a minute difference. For another big title like COD Warzone, your loading time is 21 seconds on the Xbox One X. And the X Series X, it's 16 seconds. For a very large game like No Man's Sky, your load time in the Xbox One X is 2 minutes and 13 seconds. And on the Series X, it's 1 minute and 27 seconds. These numbers are significantly less, up to a minute or more in most cases. And it's good to see that the, the loading times and the hardware is much more improved from the previous generation. Also, not only do the games load faster, but in many cases they also feel a lot smoother. Destiny 2 is a great example. Um, apparently that the game held back the weaker CPU and slow HHD in the Xbox One X. And it's a title that hit native 4K previously, but the 6 teraflops of GPU performance is the one in the One X was bottlenecked by a laptop-like CPU and an old spinning hard disk. This meant that the game was stuck at 30 frames per second. Essentially meaning if you played Destiny 2 on the Xbox One X, you were playing at 30 frames per second. The reports are coming in saying that there are massive improvements to Warframe and Sea of Thieves and games similar to it that demand much more CPU, SSD, and GPU improvements, which is definitely good to hear because the Xbox One X was struggling on some of these games. I've had several occasions where Sea of Thieves would freeze and crash on me. So to hear that the game is actually runnable from backwards compatibility standpoint is a really good sign. Now there, there was a feature that they ended up improving from the Xbox One. So the Xbox One had a fast resume feature to let you swap between games. And it felt as if it didn't really work properly. It, it, it froze several times and stalled out. But... These reports are saying that it's completely the opposite with the Xbox Series X. The quick resume utilizes the SSD inside the S Series X to let you swap between multiple games freely. And apparently, it takes five seconds to resume games where you left off. And also, you can switch between five games easily, which is on another level when it comes to a console standpoint. 
And I'm very, 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 very excited to actually switch between something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, going to Halo Infinite when that comes out, to maybe going to um, Cyberpunk, and then saying, to heck with it, let's go play Warframe for free for a little bit. That'd be sick. The overall sense from the reports that I've read is that it's a faster Xbox. It's still a similar user face, user interface. If you're a traditional Xbox user, you're going to understand what's going on. It's going to be very easy to pick up and go. And the the initial upgrade isn't too much to handle. And apparently it's also pretty inviting for new console users to the new Xbox family. I'm looking forward to it. And if any of you guys actually pre-ordered it, how excited are you? Because that thing sold out so quick and it was so difficult to get on all the different websites. So if you ended up getting one, seems like a good purchase so far. Before we leave the topic of Xbox, I recently saw an article that I'd just like to bring up. So last episode, we talked about how Microsoft acquired Bethesda and ID Software and all these other uh, major publishers. And I came across an article from PCGamer.com. It is called 19 Things That Are Possible Now That Microsoft Owns Bethesda. I have six that I like out of their 19, and here they are. Fallout New Vegas 2 is a possibility. ID Software can make a Halo game. Someone makes a Smash-style brawler featuring characters from all around the microverse, and that's apparently what they're calling this uh, this new acquisition. So it could be something like Master Chief fighting Korva from Dishonored, or the Skyrim guy beating a BJ Blackowitz. And it's like that. Do it. Uh, four, Doom guy in Halo. Number five, Master Chief in Doom. And honestly. I think Master Chief was already in Doom if you've ever played Halo CE and gone through library and met the Flood for the first time. And the last one is Age of Empires and Elder Scrolls, Collab or Clash. I'm, I'm just so excited to see what they're going to do. But I think that's the last I'm going to talk about Microsoft and Xbox because we got to talk about Emperor Palpatine, a.k.a. Jeff Bezos and the Death Star which is Amazon. I'm trying to meme here. I'm not taking this seriously, okay? All right, so Darth Lord Jeff Bezos and his entire Death Star have announced a new cloud gaming service called Luna. All right? It's not exactly clear when Luna will launch, wild like, but it will initially be available for PC, Mac, Fire TV, and iPhone and iPad. Um, eventually, Android version is planned for a later launch. But Amazon says that interested users in the U.S. can request early access to the service starting today. So today, September 27th. And there's no word on international availability yet. Now, Amazon's Luna service um, is going to be available for an introductory price of about $5.99 a month during its early access phase, which gives subscribers the ability to play Luna Plus channel games across two devices simultaneously and offers 4K or 60 frames per second resolution for select titles. So naturally, it's going to be powered by the AWS or Amazon's ubiquitous web platform. And in a report, Amazon says more than 100 games will be available via the Luna Plus channel. 
and launch titles include Resident Evil 7, Control, Panzer Dragon, A Plague Tale, The Surge 2, Ukulele, Grid, Abzu, and Brothers A Tale of Two Sons. Amazon does say that more titles will be added over time, and the company has also partnered with Ubisoft for a specific gaming channel. And the gaming channel is described as players who subscribe to the channel will have access to their favorite Ubisoft titles and up to 4K resolution, mobile gameplay, and access to new titles when the channel launches like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Far Cry 6, and Immortals Phoenix Rising the same day they release. This is the first of multiple Luna game channels in development where consumers can play games from their favorite publishers and genres. Luna is also going to be integrating Twitch, and the report says, inside the Luna experience, players will see Twitch streams for games in the service and from Twitch, and they'll be able to instantly start playing Luna games, Amazon says, and games can be played either from a mouse and keyboard or a Bluetooth controller, and to go along with this, Amazon also announced its own Alexa-enabled Luna controller, which will cost about $50 during the early access period. Now, if anybody here is actually familiar or even used Mixer back in the day, I was an early Mixer adopter. And one of the ways that Mixer integrated itself into the Xbox platform was that if you went into the Xbox Play Store or the Microsoft Play Store and you clicked on a game that, let's say like a recent game that came out or a free to play game when they did those specials, on their bio of the game, you could scroll down and actually see live streams of people streaming that game on Mixer. So you could click on it and it would take you to Mixer and you can watch for free. And that was like a really good integration. It also incentivized a lot of streamers to go play new games that released because they knew, hey, this game's new, it just released, or it's free to play, just recently free to play, part of the Xbox Game Pass, whatever. It's more of an incentive to stream it, and you get more recognition. So it's a really, really good partnership idea. And I think this might be the first time I've actually seen Amazon make a real contribution towards integrating Twitch with their gaming platforms and showing a real incentive to say, hey, you know what, Microsoft? You got the xCloud. Google over here has got Stadia. Well, we're going to come up with a gaming service, okay? And this is what we're going to do. So. We'll see how hard they're going to hit the ground running. I I think Microsoft absolutely has the lead right now. Stadia Stadia was early to adopt and get into it, but I think they missed missed the target a little bit. Um, We'll see if they can turn around. Google's got all the money in the world to fix it. But I think overall, it's really good that Amazon, Google, and Microsoft are competing against each other because hopefully they just create a better product for the consumers, you and I, and then everything just gets better. It's a good time to be alive. Technology's fantastic right now. And I believe this is where I'm going to turn around the conversation to you guys. What are your thoughts, opinions, comments, suggestions on the podcast, whatever you need? Um, If you need to contact me, I have social media pretty much on every platform you can think of. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn even. My handle name is Mad Michael Ichu. I have a YouTube channel. We also have a Discord. All the links will be in the description. We hope you can join. 
and be a part of the community and contribute to the discussion. Anyways, this has been episode three. You have been filled in. And thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Peace.